0: And then they told us as a commitment that whenever the same quote-unquote situation happens, they will now know how to address it to make sure that the same incident does not uh, repeat itself. Hence the importance for patients to come forward with the challenges that they, they experience because it was a unintentional um error on behalf of hi
1: everyone welcome to the good health cafe the place to learn about how to navigate the healthcare system and understand health in plain language I'm your host, Nikita Boston-Fisher, a health educator with a passion for meeting people where they are. Today's guest is Mr. Julien Brisson. Julien is an anthropologist and PhD student in bioethics, and he also currently works as a delegate in the Office of the Service Quality and Complaints Commissioner for the CUS West Central of Montreal. Today he is here to share with us how and what happens when a patient makes a complaint and the other services that his office provides. Grab your warm drink and let's get to the episode. Hello, Julien. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe. Thank you for coming. Could you please introduce yourself to the audience?
0: Yes, thank you for having me. My name is uh, Julien Brisson. I'm a PhD student in bioethics at the uh, School of Public Health at the University of Montreal, and I work as a Complaints Delegate for the Complaints Commissioner's Office for the CS West Central of the island of Montreal.
1: Thank you. Tell us, what does it mean to be a Complaints Delegate? And tell us how you got interested in becoming one.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I'll first start uh, from the top up and explain what a Complaints Commissioner's Office is in Quebec. So in Quebec, in the year 2015, there was a restructure of the healthcare system across the province where there was the fusion of different health and social establishment per territories. So on the island of Montreal, there's five CS, which is the French acronym for Integrated Health Care and Social uh, Services so on the island of montreal there's five there's a cs east cs west cs west central cs south central and cs north so i'm with uh, west central and under us within the cs west central there is over 160 health and social establishments so for every single cs there's a complaints commissioner's office and The Complaints Commissioner's Office is an independent office that's attached to the Board of Directors of the CS. What that means is that, for example, the commissioner or the people that work within the office cannot hold positions within other social and health establishment within the CS. So, for example, the commissioner or myself, we would not be able to be employees within a clinic at the same time, because that would be a conflict of interest. So we're a completely independent office attached to the board of directors of the CS. And our office is where people come and submit complaints to our office, and then we examine them. And it's important to highlight that all the activities of complaint commissioners across the province of Quebec are framed by the Act Act respecting health and social services in quebec so it's all our activities are framed by the law so there's not much flexibility uh around there
1: perfect thank you for breaking down that structure for us now how did you get into being a complaints commissioner i know you said you you're studying bioethics are those two tied together
0: uh yes definitely so um I first started, I'm a complaints delegate, and and then I started uh, part-time just helping write uh, conclusion letters for patients, and then, um, because I was doing research in Colombia for my doctoral research, and then I came back March 1st, 2020, and then I started in the office right away when the the pandemic hit, and then I stayed there, and then it became a full-time job. Uh, So, um, yes, I started right at the beginning of the uh, pandemic, and uh, that was quite uh, interesting because many people had uh, many complaints to make. Uh, So I learned uh, very quickly, very fast, uh, the role of the um, uh, Complaints Commissioner's uh, Office. Uh, But to return to the question, if there is links uh, between bioethics and this job, there's definitely uh, many links. So if we look, for example, historically, we used to talk about medical ethics. And uh, sometimes I use that as a synonym to bioethics. But my uh, doctoral co-supervisor always corrects me and always tells me it's not the same thing because historically medical ethics, it was mainly doctors together, usually Older men talking between each other, saying what was uh, ethically correct in terms of uh, medicine, and then bioethics emerged as a discipline, saying that uh, the conversations around uh, ethical issues involving patients should involve the patients themselves. So bioethics is different to medical ethics, where the focus is very much acts on uh, the patient. And allowing the patient to voice uh, their concern, to have their autonomy respected and their preferences and so on. So if we make a link with the uh, Complaints Commissioner's Office with bioethics, uh, the Complaints Commissioner's Office is a space or an opportunity for patients to voice their concerns, their complaints, uh, their dissatisfactions with uh, services they've received. So um, that's a parallel between bioethics and the complaints commissioner's uh, mandate.
1: Thanks for clarifying that. So what types of concerns or complaints does this office handle?
0: Very good question. So by law, there's two types of complaints that can be submitted to our office. I'll start with medical. So there's medical complaints. Medical complaints are complaints that concern physicians, dentists, pharmacists, or residents that are a member of the ASEAS Council of Physicians, Dentists, and Pharmacists. And by law, it's only uh, independent medical examiners that can examine those uh, complaints. So the complaint would arrive at our office, and then we would input it in the ministerial software. But for example, myself, I would not be able to analyze examine and um, address the medical complaint it gets transferred to a medical examiner that then uh, addresses it so that's for medical complaints and then what's called non-medical complaints is absolutely everything else Uh, so it can be billing issues complaints against nurses social workers absolutely everything about cleanliness, security agents, absolutely everything that's not related to uh, medical complaints. And then uh, that's the staff uh, like myself in our office that uh, handles those uh, complaints.
1: So medical complaints, is that, for example, I guess maybe you felt like you were misdiagnosed or something, like Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that that would fall under medical complaints.
0: Is that correct? Yes. Well, uh, the way we work in our office, because by law, it says that uh, from the moment a complaint targets a physician, dentist, pharmacist or resident, it has to be transferred to a medical examiner. But we in our office, we really focus on the um, on the patient themselves if they want to submit a complaint against uh a physician, so we always want the consent first, that uh, to make them clarify if they actually want to go ahead with the complaint against the uh, with the doctor, and then uh, in that case, uh, they would need to clarify that it's specifically. Uh, uh, against a doctor? Because uh, often when we get complaints, they can be uh, vague or ambiguous. So we always want to uh, clarify with the person that submits the complaint that uh, they actually are making the complaint against a specific person, or if it's just administrative challenge that they've experienced that w- that could be addressed uh, from a uh, non-medical uh approach.
1: Can you give an example of that type of complaint?
0: In the hospitals we have for example what's called the outpatient clinics. so specialties like uh, urologist dermatology Mm -hmm. neurology and whatnot so let's say uh, a patient submits a complaint and says uh, I'm supposed to have an appointment with uh, the specialist doctor and my appointment was cancelled the last three times in the last three months so is it the fault of the doctor in quotation marks is the fault of the doctor is it a secretary issue that or is it maybe another issue mm-hmm. so we would first start uh, by treating it as non medical and then starting with the department and saying well this is what the patient shared to us and then uh, this is important to clarify we We do what's called examinations. We don't do investigations in the sense that we're not looking to blame anyone. We're not uh, there to punish anyone. We're just trying to understand uh, what happens. So in some instances, maybe this is a fictitious example. Maybe it was a uh, new employee, a new secretary, and she made some mistakes. The doctor, maybe one time he told her that he wasn't working that day and she scheduled the patient and then... That's where there was the confusion mm-hmm. and whatnot. So uh, that would be sort of an administrative uh, error. And then if it be, for example, the, we would get an answer that it's the doctor that uh, he canceled the appointments because there was an emergency and he had to be there for like uh, another medical emergency. So that's why he had to cancel. Then we would provide that explanation.
1: Thanks. That was a fantastic example. Like very clear, <laughs> what the path would be. So tell me, actually, how does it work? If someone comes with a complaint of some kind, do you then say, "Oh, I don't know," you you call up to the office and say, "Nikita came to us and she said this, this, that." Mm-hmm. Will, will, like, will you actually use the patient's name, or how do you protect the confidentiality of the complaint from outing the person?
0: Excellent question. So that's my personal uh, opinion. Uh, there are some challenges I find with uh, the law, the way it's set up in Quebec for handling complaints. So by law in Quebec, complaints cannot be anonymous. Uh, So when someone approaches us to submit a complaint, it cannot be anonymous. And the main reason for that, well, we have to input the complaint in a ministerial software. Mm -hmm. And then it's also for uh, quality of services. So our office needs to have access to the patient's file so we can do an examination from Mm -hmm. our end. And then when we receive complaints, the way we usually start is from the directors from high up so that they're made aware of the complaint concerning their uh, department so that they can be aware. So that's why for them, it'll be important to share the name of the patient and uh, their uh, file number so that they can also examine to see what happened. So um, the main reason that complaints cannot be anonymous, it's for quality service issues, but uh, complaints absolutely have to remain confidential. So uh, it cannot be uh, shared around and and by law, it cannot go in the patient's uh, file either. So it will not be documented anywhere publicly that uh, the patient submitted a complaint involving a specific department. I hope okay. it clarifies a little bit, but uh, my critique would be that uh, the fact that it cannot be anonymous can potentially prevent some groups of people not coming forward to submit a complaint. But I'll, I'll just leave it at that. That's my little critique of uh, the way the law yeah. was set up.
1: So actually, let's let's, if we can, walk through... The chain of a complaint. Okay. So I come to the office. I perhaps I imagine I meet with you or someone else. And I say, this is my complaint. This is what happened to me on the 12th of May. I went to the clinic and ABC happened.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then what's the next step?
0: So, yeah, so it's always important to clarify what the complaint is with the uh, patient and making sure that their needs are properly expressed. Because uh, sometimes some people can have more challenges uh, expressing what they want. Because sometimes uh, this is, a, which is completely normal, but often people will describe events uh, without clarifying exactly what's the issue. And as I said, there's over, for RCS, there's over 160 health and social establishments. So that's a lot of uh, yes. different establishments that we're less familiar with. So sometimes people will present the, the events that happens, but they will not clarify exactly what's the issue. So that's why it's important that uh, we understand exactly and pinpoint what's exactly the issue at hand. So that's a very important first part. And then, so by law, so when we receive the complaint and it's fully well conformed and we have all the details and whatnot, uh, we have to give the patient their complaint file number. So we'll have to input it in the ministerial software and then a number uh, will appear and then we give it to them. And then uh, it's a official acknowledgement letter. And it says on it that by law, we have 45 days to give the patient a conclusion letter that describes the examination of their complaints. So that's an important point to clarify, because often patients, they expect to have um, an answer right away but uh, as we often have to clarify we do examinations we have complaints we don't uh, engage in clinical decisions right away on the spot it's an administrative work where we examine the situation so then And it's important to clarify, too, that by law, it's possible to, it's rare, but it's possible to reject a complaint. And the law gives three conditions. If the complaint is uh, frivolous, but it's not defined what frivolous means. If the complaint is uh, vexatious. and if the complaint is the direct translation would be bad faith. so if the complaint is uh, made out of uh, bad intention so based on those three conditions it'd be possible to uh, reject those to reject a complaint which is a very very small uh, percentage it's not uh, very often so Uh, But if we do not reject the complaint, then uh, we go on with the examination. So the way we usually proceed is we send the complaint to the highest directors who then will share it with the concerned departments. And then we give them a delay to get back to us with uh, a response to the complaint and then once we receive their response we'll do an examination we'll de- discuss it with uh, the colleagues and the commissioner in the office to see if the response is adequate or not and then after that we have to write a conclusion letter to uh, the patient that describes the examination of their complaint. so oftentimes the conclusion will lead to just clarifying what happens because oftentimes, uh, for example, if there was a communication issue and the patient interpreted the events of something as one thing because the nurse, social worker, whoever did not provide enough information, the conclusion letter will be a great way of explaining or clarifying what happened. So that's we inform the patient, clarify the, the complaint. Then there's the other options. There's what's called um, in French engagement. So it could be translated to commitment. So sometimes when the patient brings forward a uh, complaint and it's shared with the department, oftentimes the issue that's brought to them is not something that they were aware of. So then based upon receiving that complaint and seeing what the patient witnessed or experienced, they will come back to us, to our office and say, based upon the complaint, we will now bring forward this commitment to adapt this practice within uh, our clinic or our department. So then we would let the patient know in the conclusion letter, and then we would document it in our ministerial software to say that's uh, It's not a contract, but it's just we document that they took this commitment. And then another option would be for our office to bring forward a recommendation to the department. If, for example, we would deem their response to be not uh, adequate enough, and then we would say, well, we would bring forward this recommendation that you change uh, this practice or add this uh, information on your form in your office to clarify whatever procedure with uh, the patients. And then it's important to clarify that our office is not quote unquote executive. So like uh, recommendations, it's uh, They're not in order. So the directors are allowed to reject the recommendations if they want. But we are there to promote patients' rights and the right to quality of services. And then when the patient receives the conclusion letter, it'll be written in it at the top. If they're not satisfied with the way our office handled their complaints, their recourse is with the what's called in French Le Protecteur des Citoyens, so Quebec's Ombudsman. Okay. So then Quebec's Ombudsman is a completely separate, independent office, and then they will do an examination of how we examine their complaints, and then they would be allowed to bring forward recommendations to our office or directly to the establishment. So in Quebec, there's a very well structure of resources to help patients have their rights and voices heard.
1: This is very fascinating. (laughs) So let me see if I get it. So I come to you and I say, I felt like I was mistreated or Mm -hmm. I I don't like the way I was spoken to Mm -hmm. by a nurse in cardiology, let's say. Mm -hmm. I tell you this orally, I suppose I actually come to the office, you document what I've said, you open a file, and then you have 45 days to respond to me about that file. In that 45 days, you will notify the cardiology department, I suppose, that um, we've had this patient, Nikita, come in and say that this was her experience. The director of cardiology will find out. I suppose he will speak to the relevant person in the department who had the interaction with me, I guess, I find out what happened.
0: Yeah. So it'll be left to your discretion of how they want to handle it. So that's why, for example, if we would share it to the director and then he would reply, this is just fictitious, but yeah. let's see, he would reply within half an hour and say, uh, I'm sorry, this happened. Uh, I'll make sure this doesn't happen again. Our mm-hmm. office generally would say this is a little bit too much of a uh, quick uh, response. And then we... Would say, is it possible for you to take the time to talk to the employee that was rude with the patient to maybe hear their version of the events, and then maybe clarify with with the nurse or the employee yeah. what they're expected to display as uh, professional behavior? So. Uh, that's why there's not like a specific structure. So there can be back and forth with the directors. If for example, we would not be satisfied with their first response, but then it's also another option that uh, let's say it would take a little late, maybe a week. And then they would say, we met the employee on, um, Mm-hmm. On this day, at this time, we took the time to sit with the employee to clarify the situation, to discuss the mm-hmm. complaint. And then the employee expressed that it was perhaps a misunderstanding. They were mm-hmm. trying to be uh, funny or like uh, to make mm-hmm. the patient at ease, but perhaps it was misinterpreted uh, as as being rude. And then so because the, it's also important to clarify our office, uh, the employees, we were not there. We were not present. Sure. So. Uh, And as I said, we don't do investigation in the sense of like uh, being police officers and trying to, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, discover the truth. So for us, we'll document everything and then we'll clarify to the patient so that we document everything in our ministerial software and that in this case, it appears to be perhaps a misunderstanding. But then if it can reassure the patient, since it's documented, if the same issue were to reoccur, then we would already have some, I don't want to say evidence, some, but we would have the information already documented that there was already a similar issue that occurred. So then we could bring forward a recommendation to address the recurring issue.
1: So, so a concern that I know that some patients that I've spoken to have is, what if I file a complaint and I have to interact with the person again? Am I Am I going to be in trouble or... Perhaps they'll be mean to me or leave me for last or, you know, something mm-hmm. because ah, that's the one
0: <laughs> she, uh, she's,
1: she's spoken about me before. Mm-hmm. How do you respond to that fear?
0: So excellent questions. The law in Quebec made it clear that there is zero tolerance for repercussions or negative repercussions for people who submit complaints. Mm-hmm. So for whoever is listening, if ever there were to be repercussions for submitting a complaint, if... The employee you submitted a complaint against were to do something, you go right away and share that information to the commissioner's office and the commissioner's office should open what's called an intervention, which is different than a complaint. It's a different activity. And then it would get supposed to get addressed right away with the directors. And it would be definitely taken very seriously that there's zero tolerance for that. So patients are not supposed to receive any negative consequences for submitting complaints. And they have to come forward right away to the commissioner's office because the, uh, at least our office, there's zero tolerance for uh, this behavior on behalf of employees.
1: And I think that's important to note. And I'm glad you clarified it because you said that your name is not redacted. So if you if you make a report the person in the department will know the name of the patient who did it. So Mm -hmm. then it's very important that the patient knows, okay, my name will be shared, but I will never be penalized for it, or I Mm -hmm. should not be penalized for it. Mm -hmm. Should I return to the department again? Okay. That's helpful. What are, and I think you touched on this briefly, but what are the potential outcomes of a case at the end of the 45 days when you're supposed to get back with the complaint letter. What are possible outcomes?
0: Yeah, often we clarify the situation. Maybe uh, it was an administrative issue. Maybe it's a, um, so for example, uh, this is something I uh, learned recently. So for a referral to see an ophthalmologist, so for the eyes, mm-hmm. the requisition usually has to come from an optometrist. So it cannot come, for for example, from like dermatologists. So sometimes a patient will be upset that their doctor's referral was not accepted uh, in this case, and then so for example, that's something I was not aware of. But then uh, the department clarifies, no, the the way the. Normal procedures that the patient has to first see an optometrist and then the optometrist, if they deem important, will make a referral to the ophthalmologist. So, for example, the conclusion there would just be like a clarification of the normal procedures uh, in Quebec. And then the uh, other options uh, were, like I was saying, commitments from the uh, departments or our office making uh, recommendations to uh, the establishment. Mm
1: -hmm. What happens if someone doesn't hear from you in 45 days? Because sometimes folks Mm -hmm. will say, I filed a complaint, the person who took it was very lovely, but I haven't heard a word since. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What do you do when you haven't heard back?
0: Yes. So when we give the acknowledgement letter with the file number, it says on it that after 45 days, their recourse would be with the Quebec's ombudsman. And then the Quebec's ombudsman would give us a call and say, well, patient XYZ with the file number, so and so. It's been over 45 days. What's going on? And then, uh, But our office, we try to stay within the 45 days deadline. And then I should clarify, so that's for non-medical complaints. For medical complaints, it's not with the Quebec ombudsman. It's with the review committee of the CS. If it goes over 45 days, their recourse would be with the review committee. They would write them an email. And then when they receive the conclusion letter from the medical examiner, if they're not satisfied with their conclusion... Their recourse is with the review committee of the SEAS. They have to put their, in writing, their their dissatisfaction of uh, their examination of their medical complaints. And then they have 60 days to submit it to the review committee. And then they will do, uh, if they decide to take on uh, the case, they will do an examination of how the medical examiner examined uh, their medical complaints. Okay,
1: fantastic. You mentioned that it's possible to reject a complaint for three reasons. Number one is frivolous, but there's yeah. no definition. <laughs> Number two was vexatious. Mm-hmm. You have a definition for vexatious.
0: And a lot. I don't think there's a specific uh, definition, but for us, for example, if we've received complaints that would be uh, like discriminatory towards an employee, for us, uh, that's vexatious. Like it's not uh quote unquote, I don't want to say a genuine complaint, but if it's it, if it seems like it's more to to target or criticize the person, the employee, as opposed to being a complaint about quality of services, then it'll be rejected as uh, vexatious.
1: That sounds almost like number three, bad faith.
0: Yeah, they sort of uh, bad faith would be, for example, if someone were to pretend that something happened that did not. Yeah, so that's why it's a very small percentage. Mm. But if we can feel by reading or talking to the person, uh, to the patient, that uh, it seems to be out of bad intention that they want to submit the complaint, then uh, we can reject it based on being on bad faith, bad intentions. And then I should also add for patients that would want uh, some help. In Quebec, there's uh, the translation would be the center of assistance to complaints. So the one where we usually give the number two is for specifically for the island of Montreal, but there's some across uh, Quebec. So it's completely free services uh, for patients. And the people there, the employees will write their complaints for them in a way that will make it easier for office to uh, address their complaints. It's a completely free service and they will write the complaint in a very well diplomatic and well articulated uh, Way. So it's a very great uh, resource for patients that would. Uh, f- so, for example, patients that might have more difficulty expressing uh, themselves, it's a great uh, way for them to uh, use some free services.
1: Yeah, that sounds fantastic. So, how do patients find out about you and how do they find out about the Center for Assistance for Complaints?
0: Well, for our office, we very often will share their number with uh, patients because also it's imp- like I said, we uh, we do examinations. So sometimes an incident will happen. The patient will call us very agitated and angry, and which is fine. It's a normal human reaction, but. In order to properly address the complaint, it has to be properly expressed to us. So that's why we will I'll often say to patients, I'll give you their number, their completely free service, and then they can help you with time, like uh, put things in perspective and help you formulate uh, your complaint letter that will then be transferred uh, to us. So uh, our office is one of, um, well, not just our office, but all the commissioner's offices on the island of Montreal, we... Uh, always give their uh, number. And then for office, people can reach us by phone, by email. We also have a new online complaint form to make it easier for people to fill out uh, the information.
1: Information about your office advertised, for example, posters on the wall in the hospital or anything? Because I imagine some patients don't even know that this office exists? How do people normally find out that this office exists? Do you mark it?
0: Yes. So it is one of our mandates to do promotion at the time since our office is at uh, the Jewish General Hospital. We've been working from home since the beginning of the pandemic, and then they've relocated our office and it's under construction. So for now, people cannot uh, come physically to see us. So everything's done by email and over the phone. But usually we try to go in persons on the different uh, sites. So, for example, last week we went for two days in the uh, CHSLD mm-hmm. and we met some with some families there. Uh, so the different establishments, we asked them to put some posters a little bit everywhere. And then we also encourage um, employees to advertise our office to the patients to make it also some way to make it more transparent for the establishment that they're in, instead of just handling patients difficulties within themselves since we're an independent office to also encourage people to come uh, forward to us so that uh, there can be like an outside uh, independent look on uh, the situation
1: do you think that there are any myths or misconceptions as it relates to your office or patient complaints you would like to address?
0: Well, one that's important is uh, we don't do financial compensation. So oftentimes people will say this happened, I want uh, some money to be compensated, or I want to sue the hospital or the doctor at the clinic. So it's important to clarify that uh, we don't deal with any finance or uh, Mm -hmm. compensation, we're really there to ensure quality of services for patients. So if they really want to insist with legal procedures, we'll give them the uh, coordinates for the legal departments, but we're not a legal, quote unquote, uh, entity. As I previously said, we don't do investigations. So sometimes, especially when an event will happen, we were not there. So we'll definitely do an examination of everything we can with the patient's files and Mm-hmm. footage and whatnot but we were not like uh, police where we tried to um, to come up with quote-unquote the truth so we'll do an examination we'll document everything uh, so if the same situation or event were to occur it would be well documented but uh, we don't do uh, quote-unquote investigations
1: Those are two good ones. Thank
0: you. Maybe another one would be too, because the way it's set up in Quebec, we're there for the patients. So employees cannot submit complaints at our office Ah. against, quote unquote, for example, difficult patients. We're only there to really promote the rights and quality services for patients. So it's a one-way street.
1: That's an interesting point. I've never considered the reverse that is is there a place where
0: employees can
1: go to complain about patients
0: for health? I'm, I, I'm not sure it's uh, cause I think for example, for universities, they'll have like ombudsman that like will try to both represent like the employees, like professors and students. So they will be like in the middle, but for us it's not, uh, but that's precisely why we're an, an independent office mm-hmm. attached to the board of directors. Cause um The the employees are not uh, quote unquote uh, our colleagues quote unquote. You're like our um, our bosses. We're completely so that's why like uh, there's no uh, Mm -hmm. dependence uh, with those employees. So we're really there uh, for the patients.
1: Something that comes to mind is I wonder though can some of this ever feel like well he said and she said Mm -hmm. with potentially no other witness to clarify how things unfolded. And so and so. what do you do? Uh,
0: so that's why we try to reassure the patient that we document everything. So as soon as uh, something very similar would were, were, were happen, we would have enough proof to approach, for example, the director or the chief of department and say, it mm, doesn't seem like a coincidence. Uh, it seems like uh, it's a recurring issue. So Uh, please take the appropriate measures to make sure that the same situation does not happen. And I should clarify also on that topic, this is a recommendation for all patients. When something happens on site at that moment, it's important to always ask, speak to the manager or the chief or whatever, so that they can come attempt to address the issue right away so obviously they always have the right to come to us but uh, like I said we're one office that represents 160 establishments so uh, we're not uh, on site everywhere that's why we always recommend to always try to address the issue with the immediate uh, supervisor there just so that the supervisor can do something at the moment itself but then if that is not uh, satisfactory then come to us and then we'll document uh, everything
1: that's a great suggestion to try to talk to the supervisor and handle it right away but what how would you suggest someone handle it if they're intimidated maybe they'll say oh but i'm scared to (laughs) to call the supervisor or i don't know i i feel like i'm I'm here because I'm sick. I'm too sick to fight right now. I, I don't feel like dealing with it. What, sure. what do you say in those? How, uh, what would but, you recommend in those situations? Uh,
0: but that's a very good uh, point. We all, Just to clarify, there's no deadlines to submit a complaint. So for example, if something, uh, a very bad incident happens, it doesn't have to be submitted to, as a complaint to our office uh, the same day. Sometimes some people will wait six months uh, to uh, submit the complaint. The only issue when you wait too long, when it involves the employees, it can be a little bit more difficult to do the uh, examination because so much time has passed. But yes, it's definitely one issue with the complaint uh, system, the way it's set up, because I would personally argue that uh, it's not everyone, every patient that has the same agency to speak up and to share um, their uh, whatever complaints they might have a parallel I can make so for my phd in bioethics it's on adolescent ethical issues related to adolescents access to healthcare uh, services because it's a global health problem okay. adolescents do not access uh, health services despite having very important uh, health related needs And I would argue that uh, it relates a little bit to their agency. They might be less familiar with what their rights are. They might feel intimidated. And that also applies uh, to making complaints because generally speaking, we don't have demographic data on who submits complaints uh, to commissioners offices in Quebec. But my hypothesis would be that it's mostly older people and not younger people and different types of demographics. So Mm -hmm. for sure, the way that the system is set up, some people are being heard more than others. I find that's problematic. So that's why, for example, having the online form can be maybe a little bit easier for some that would uh, feel intimidated coming in person to writing instead.
1: That's a fantastic point. I'm glad that you touched on that agency and patient rights. Because I bet if you stopped a couple of patients in the street or on the hospital ward and you ask them, what are your rights? Mm-hmm. You probably don't know.
0: Yes. And I would say, especially, for example, in the Quebec uh, context, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, newly arrived immigrants that are not aware that uh, they're entitled to voice mm-hmm. uh, their concerns. If there's issues, they're entitled to voice their concerns with our office and that we're completely independent. And uh, that's my hypothesis. I would want uh, definitely more people to do research on that. But I'm thinking, for example, for um, people who are here informally without, for example, legal paperwork, Mm -hmm. they're still completely entitled to submit complaints at our office. And we will not investigate if they have the proper documentations to be here or not. If they are using health services, they're entitled to submit uh, complaints at their office. So for sure, I personally would want uh, a lot of researchers to do different research related to patients, right, to submit complaints and especially pay attention to more vulnerable groups that uh, are probably not being heard as much.
1: Those are really important points. Is some of this documented on your website, for example, a bill of patient rights or who is eligible to submit a complaint or FAQs, anything like that that we can link to?
0: Uh, yes. Yeah. So on our website, we have some details. Generally speaking, all the commissioner's offices, we all have the same law that we have to uh, abide to. But I would argue that uh, it's always best to uh, talk with someone in the office so that we can uh, clarify all the different details and the rights and uh, whatnot.
1: Do you have an example of a feel-good story or something where you felt like you had a really positive resolution to a complaint and, and maybe everybody was happy in the end or something?
0: The first one that comes to mind, it was a woman that we can definitely say she felt within a uh, vulnerable category. So when I was on the phone with her, it was a a bit challenging to communicate with her, but she did make it clear like the, with the image, she kept uh, saying that she, she feels she fell uh, between the cracks Mm -hmm. and uh, from what she was saying, because it's so important to clarify, we, um, We don't take sides. So my intuition at first was maybe uh, there's a communication issue and the the department did the right thing and maybe she misunderstood. But nonetheless, I still took her complaint, opened it. And the word is complaint, but she wasn't angry or anything. She was just sharing her situation where she felt that she, quote unquote, fell uh, between the cracks. So then I contacted the department uh, itself and then, the patient was right. There were it was administrative issues, and due to her particular context, she did end up, quote-unquote, falling in the cracks. And so that's why when she was contacting the clinic, the receptionist was not necessarily giving her the wrong information. It's just that due to her context and the lack of knowledge, they were not giving her the proper information. So that's why she was not being properly followed. And then when this was brought up to the directors of the department right away they addressed the issue and then the patient was properly followed after uh so this is the first example that uh, comes to mind because it's really the purpose it's the patient so if this can also reassure patients you don't have to be angry and mad and it's a complaint you want to uh Mm -hmm. punish the department or whatever it can just be a challenge that you're experiencing and when I spoke to the department I'm not accusing them of anything where because also the department the directors they want to help the patients too and then turns out it was just a very particular case um, where she quote-unquote fell uh, in the tracks and then by bringing this up to the department they were able to address the issue and then they told us as a commitment that whenever the same quote-unquote situation happens, they will now know how to address it to make sure that the same incident does not uh, repeat itself. Hence, the importance for patients to come forward with the challenges that they they experienced, because it was an unintentional um, error on behalf of the departments. It was not on purpose that the patient was sort of put aside. It was just unintentional. So by bringing this up, it allowed them to say, so the next time Something uh, like this happens, we'll make sure to use this as an example so that no other patients, uh, quote unquote, fall between uh, the cracks.
1: It's a nice success story of sorts, because Mm -hmm. you were able to satisfactorily resolve the complaint, Mm -hmm. And I think it's good for people to hear because sometimes somebody might think, oh, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to be a bother or something like that. But here is an example where. Not only did saying something help you, but it will help the people who come after you because now they are aware of the problem.
0: And on that note, I should something very important. So we talked about complaints, but complaints are actually not the main activity that we do in our office. The main activity that we do is what's called an assistance. So by far, that's what we do most of our days is assistances, which is completely different than complaints. So for example, let's say we have a patient that five years ago, they saw a specialist in the hospital, let's say in the cardiology department, and they have a phone number. And then in the last five years, that number changed, but they've been calling that number and it's just a number that keeps on ringing and they don't know what to do. They call our office and then they'll say, well, I've been having trouble reaching the cardiology department. And then we'll be able to say, "Ah, oh, well, it turns out they changed their uh, phone number. It's been years they don't use that phone number and we'll be able to give them the updated phone number. Maybe they have an email now for that the mm. department. So that's uh, an assistance because we're assisting the patient to navigate the super complex healthcare system uh, in Quebec. So it's not a complaint. So for patients, they can always call their commissioner's office to have assistances to navigate the system without having it being a complaint. Yeah, so that's uh, what we usually do throughout our days is assistances, so helping patients through. That's one of our legal mandates is to do uh, assistances.
1: What other types of navigation help do you provide?
0: Just explaining. So, for example, if someone says, I want to get an appointment with a dermatologist, uh, well, We'll explain that uh, it's usually through a referral. So you'll have to go see uh, your family doctor so that they write uh, a referral. And then we can give a little bit more details as to why you can't just call and say, I want to book an appointment with a dermatologist. It's because they have long um, wait times and then they sort of have to um, prioritize. So that's why it has to go through, for example, a family doctor that will make the referral for it. So we try to give as much information as possible to patients to help them understand the healthcare system. And then if we don't have the answer, we can always try to find it. And then if they don't find our answer satisfactory, they can submit an official complaint. And then we'll do a whole thorough examination of the whole situation. That's
1: amazing. I would have never guessed. (laughs) Especially with the name of the office, I would have never thought that you provide those other services as well. Thank you for sharing that. As we wrap up, are there any other closing thoughts or things that you feel patients should know about your office or interactions with your office?
0: Always feel free to communicate with us. Don't be afraid of our office. It is confidential in the sense that when you communicate with us, just talk on the phone or get exchanges. That's it. It can be anonymous at first. It's just the complaint itself that cannot be anonymous. But yes, feel free to reach out to us. And then also because that's because uh, that's it's confusing the, uh, all the different CS on the island of Montreal. So uh, since we're West Central. And then there's West, there's mm-hmm. often confusion between that. And then there is West Central and there's uh, South Central. But even if it's the wrong uh, CES, we'll direct you to the right uh, commissioner's office with uh, no problem.
1: Thank you so much, Julianne, for coming to the Good Health Cafe and sharing and educating us about <laughs> this important issue.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, thank you for having me.
1: I hope you enjoyed the episode. There were some key takeaways such as calling the complaints office can alert a department to a problem they didn't know they had, which can make it better for you and the people who come behind you. And it's also a resource for understanding how to use the system. So it's not just all about complaints. Until next time, see you in the cafe later. Bye.